I am so glad that you have joined us today for the second week of our series talking about the presence of God called I Am Here. And so if you're joining us in Kernersville, Oak Ridge, online, you could not have picked a better day to join us. I will let you know something that we say often. I know we say it a lot, but it's so important because of the way we structure these series. If you missed the previous week, especially last week, because it was week one of the series, you want to get caught up on that because it lays the foundation for what we're going to talk about today and actually the next two weeks as well. Because last week we learned together a very encouraging, life-shaping, life-altering truth about God, especially God's presence, if you let it sink in. And this is what we learned together, is that God is ever-present, everywhere, every moment. Ever-present, everywhere, every single moment, which means there is never a place where God is not ever-present, everywhere, every moment. You, you, you won't find a place. You can't conceive of a place. You can't imagine a place, really. And there's never a time or a circumstance or a situation in your life or in your friend's life or in your family's life or in the life of people that you see talked about on the news or anyone, anywhere where God is not ever present, everywhere, every moment. Now, the key is us figuring out a way to discover how to know that and see that and feel that and interact with that and accept that and believe that and live in that reality. Because the truth is, God's presence doesn't always look the way we think it ought to look. We don't always see what it is that we would hope to see from an ever-present God who's everywhere every moment. We certainly don't always feel what we would hope to feel and think we would feel if God is ever-present everywhere at every moment. And so often we get confused, and, and one of the reasons we get confused, and another reason that I, I'm glad we're doing this series and I'm, I'm trying to help us all, myself included, is that when it comes to the presence of God, I'm also in this series hoping to free us up, to free us all up from some boxes that we've created for the presence of God, for God specifically in his, his presence and how it relates to that topic, because we do it without even realizing it. We, we kind of create boxes and our assumptions and what we think, and especially it comes out in what we say it, and we don't even realize we're saying it. We talked about this a little bit last week. When you hear people say things like, oh, dude, you just need to get into God's presence. Okay, I'll get right on that. Kind of what way I want to say, well, of course, a absolutely. I'm going to leave here and I'm going to go find God's presence and I'm just going to get in that. Like, okay, well, is God's presence something you can get in and get out of? No, because God's ever present everywhere, every moment. And if that sounds confusing to you or sounds like blasphemy, you need to go back and watch last week, okay? Uh, we need to spend time in God's presence. I know what I need, Pastor. I just need to spend time in God's presence. Well, that sounds great. And, that, and in theory, that, that's a wonderful thing to do. In reality, it's a wonderful thing to do. But what the heck does that mean? Spend time in God's presence. Like a lot of time, a little time. And how do you know? How do you know, right? If, if you're in the right spot, in the right place, at the right time, it, yeah. Or, or again, we talked about this last week, and I'm not trying to make fun, but I really do want us to realize the humorous things we often say. They do have, these words do have meaning, is that, you know, Christian people talk about, you know, God, we invite you, we invite you into this place, we invite you, God, we welcome you, as if God's on the outside going, can I come in? But would you let me in? You know, like, can, am, am, I, am I okay to be in there? And it's like, oh, these are not bad things to say, 
But they create assumptions. These things we say create assumptions and unnecessary baggage and boxes that we carry around and we create. No wonder we're confused. No wonder the people around us are confused when they hear us talking. No wonder when we look in the mirror, when we look in our own lives, we are often confused and we doubt the presence of God. And so hopefully we'll get a little bit more clarity on that today. I think we will. And that's what this series is designed to do. But what I want to do is to help us get there by taking us back to the first century. And I need you to, I need you to use your imagination because we, we have very few um, documentaries or um, movies or videotapes stuff from the first century. So you have to imagine, right? Imagine you're one of Jesus' disciples. Imagine you're one of Jesus' top 12 dudes and, and you have been hanging out with Jesus for three plus years. Everywhere Jesus went, you went. Whatever Jesus taught, you didn't understand it all, but you were right there and you heard it. You understood enough to be like, this is the guy. And all of his miracles, all of his miracles, you were there. You had a front row seat and you didn't understand everything he did and why he did it. And you didn't understand why he did this for this person, not this for this person. And wow, that was weird. And that was odd. And that was crazy. And that was strange. And wow, that was awesome. You were there for the whole thing. And you saw enough and you understood enough for your life to be completely transformed. And then the day comes, just an ordinary day, and Jesus starts talking about, he's starting to drop some hints that he's, that he's going somewhere. And, and he's leaving. And you start hearing Jesus talking about the fact that he's going away. And so you do what everybody in that situation would do. You would say, oh, okay, well, we're going with you. We're coming with you. And Jesus said, no, y'all can't come. But I'll come back. I'll come back. I'll come back and get you when the time is right. But you, you can't come. You can't go where I'm going. And then, boy, the stress level goes up. What do you mean? What do you mean? Where are you going? How's this going to work? How are we going to make it? If you're not here, we've been together for three plus years, and you're just going to leave us. And, I mean, what's that mean? And, and how, what are we going to do? And then Jesus proceeded in this conversation. When he first kicked this off, he proceeded to try to comfort them with the promise that they would not be alone even though he was going away. See, guys, you didn't understand. You didn't understand. I'm going to send you my spirit. And you would think at that point, you know, looking back, they would all go, oh, whew, good. They didn't because they had no clue what he's talking about. They meant absolutely nothing to them. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it for a very long time fully. And even to this day, you know, you and I are still experiencing trying to figure out and tease out how all of this, what all it means. But Jesus said, I'm going to send you my spirit. And this is how he said it. He said, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Don't freak out though. I'm, I'm going to ask the father and he will give you another advocate. We'll come back to that word in a minute. But here's the key, who will never leave you. So, so still, God is going to be ever-present everywhere in every moment through this advocate that is, is going to be sent to you. I'm, I'm not going to leave you alone. And I'm talking about the Holy Spirit who will lead you into all truth, who will lead you into all truth. And that's exactly what the Spirit of God still does for us today. He leads us into truth. It's how God still speaks to us today through, through the work of his Spirit. But what, what was Jesus getting at? Now, now the word advocate, I want to kind of zoom in on that just a little bit here because when Jesus said, I'm going to send you another 
advocate. The word another is very important because the word another there is not like another different than me. It's another just like me. Another advocate. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That word advocate is translated several different ways in the New Testament, depending on what translation you're reading. And all of them give you kind of a beautiful facet of how to understand this word. One of them there is advocate, someone who stands on behalf of another. But it also can be translated friend. Jesus said, I, I, I'm going to send you another friend. Just like me kind of friend. And I know friends don't leave each other. I know, I know friends don't pack up and leave and, and hit the road. I know, I know that doesn't seem very friendly. And I know it doesn't feel very friendly. But that's okay. Whoa, 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 wait, don't freak out. Breathe. Everybody breathe. I'm going to send you another friend just like me. Other translations translate this. I'm going to send you another helper. I've helped you. I helped you. you. You've received help from me, and I know you enjoy my help, and you can't imagine life without me helping you, but that's okay. I'm still going to help you through my advocate, my spirit, another helper. Other translations translate this, comforter. I'm going to send you another comforter. And that's still what the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, does in our lives today. If you ask me how and to explain it and to define it, I can't do that. But I can tell you I've experienced it, and I experience it, and we experience how God works in our lives with his presence. Now, you would think, at that point, they're going, oh, well, we're good. We're good. We're going to get God's Spirit. He's going to send us his Spirit. We're good. Okay, Jesus, you're free to go. No. They still didn't fully get it. They continued to freak out. And so Jesus, you, you said from this point on, you will see moments where Jesus reminded them over and over and over and over and over again that this was going to happen. Why did he remind them? Because they needed reminding. And guess what? You and I need reminding as well. From time to time. Even whether you're brand new in the faith or you've been following Jesus for decades, every now and then you need a little tap on the shoulder from God's Spirit to say, hey, 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 I'm, I'm right here. I'm ever-present, everywhere, every moment. In fact, one of the last things Jesus said to his disciples, the same group of guys, look, one of the last things he said to them before he left, and surely I am with you always. Surely. 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 You don't have to doubt it. You, and, and I know you're probably going to struggle with doubt because you're human, but you, you don't have to. You don't need to. When you find yourself doubting, just remind yourself, surely, surely, you can count on it. I am with you always, always. Fascinating. He reminded them because they needed reminding, and so do we. Why do we need reminding? Because life has a way of beating this truth out of you. Life has a way of making you wonder. Is God here? Is God involved? Is God present? Life has a way of making you question, at least if you're a human being, which all of us are. This is why precisely this reminding us is why the writer of Hebrews points out, and we saw this last week, let's come back to it because we need reminding. The writer of Hebrews tells us that God shows us that never, never will I leave you. Never, never will I forsake you. In other words, there's never going to be a time when I'm going to pack up and leave you completely on your own and say, good luck, screw up. Good luck, you doubter. Good luck, you faithless people. 
Good luck, you're on your own now. You've done, you've, you've screwed up too much. You've sinned too much. You don't have enough faith. I'm so done with you. I'm tired with you. He will never treat us the way we treat each other and say, we're so done. I am unfriending you. I am unfollowing you, right? Imagine if God treated us the way we treat each other, which, which kind of reminds us one of the things Jesus taught was we need to start treating each other the way God treats us, which means we don't do that. Imagine if God, God says, you never have to worry about me canceling you, ever, I'm never, if Jesus were saying this today, if, if the 21st century were the first century, maybe Jesus would have said, never will I cancel you. Never will I unfriend you. We just leave that there. Let you chew on that. We need a reminding. Never, never. And this is why, this is why Paul wrote to the Romans. This is why over and over and over again. Throughout the New Testament, we find this kind of language. When he's talking about God's love, Paul says it like this. He doesn't just say, you know, God loves you. Now, because, because we tend to think, well, I can, I can do things so bad that, you know, God will stop loving me as much, or I can out-sin God's love, or I can out-screw up God's love, and I can out-whatever, and he says nothing, 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 nothing. Life, death, nothing. Nothing in heaven above, earth beneath, nothing will ever be able to separate you from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, you need reminding. You need reminding. You need reminding. Because life has a way of making this question. And so it's fascinating to me when I, when I hear us talk and I hear us pray, and I mean us, I mean we, me, you. It's like we hear this, but then when we pray, we often pray, God, we need your presence. God, could you please be with us? And I think sometimes God goes, were you listening? I said, never will I leave you. You don't have to ask me for something I've already promised. You don't have to beg me for something. You, you, you don't have to coax me. I'm not hesitant. I am with you, kid. I am with you. And I know that when I'm praying that and you're praying that and we're praying that, what we're actually praying is, God, I need to know you're with me. And so what God would respond is, hey, I'm with you. I am here. I am here. So our prayers should be more like, God, I know you're with me. Help me to see it. Help me to realize it. Help me to know it. Help me to experience it. Because it's a promise. It's, not, it's about our awareness. It's, it's not about God's availability because he's available. The point is, is that you and I need to be aware that God is there. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could find a way to be more aware. If you could find a way to be more aware. If I could find a way to be more aware on a day-to-day basis that God is there, that God is present, that I am here, God says, how would things change? And how would things be different? How, how would your day at work, doing what you do, how would your life at home, how would those moments alone at night trying to fall asleep, dealing with all the cares and the worries and the burdens of life, how would things change? If you could be more aware that God is there. Fortunately, fortunately, God, is, God has given us tools to help us remember because we often miss it. We miss it not because it's hard. We miss it because we get distracted and we forget and we assume all kinds of crazy things because of the boxes we've created that we need to be set free from. We've talked about that, but God has given us tools. He's given us very practical ways to experience and to know that he is there and to be more aware. And I want to give you, in the rest of our time we have together, I want to give you three 
Very common tools, very common behaviors that God has given us to help us become more aware that he is there. Now, warning, these are so common and these are so accessible and these are so familiar that many of you may be tempted to go, oh, I know that. How much longer has it got? Huh, I knew that. And some of you who've been following Jesus for many years go, you might be tempted to go, oh, this is not very deep. But let me just tell you, you need to be reminded. I'm convinced of it. You need to be reminded of, of how God has given us things in our lives to help us remember that He is present, ever present, everywhere, every moment, to be aware that God is there. Everybody needs reminding. You will never outgrow needing to be reminded. The disciples, the ones that were right there with Jesus, they needed reminding. How has God given us things to remind us? Here we go. Drum roll, please. It's through prayer in the Bible. There's something called worship to help us be aware that God is there. See what I mean? Yeah, see what I mean? Like, well, I know that. Oh, do you really? Or do we really? Well, but let's just take a moment. Not, and this is not about, this is, so go do these things. Go, go do prayer, go do you know, Bible reading and, and go do worship. No, it's not about go do these. It's, it's about understanding the why behind why they're so important to begin with. For instance, let's start with prayer. Did you know that prayer is intended to help us acknowledge that God is there? To be aware that God is there. Prayer is to help us acknowledge. And maybe that's a newsflash for you. Because you just thought prayer was to get stuff. God, I need. God, I want. God, I need. God, I want. God's not a divine vending machine. He's just not. You pray it a certain way in, in, in the right moment. You know, say it a certain way. And then throw in the in Jesus' name and cha-ching. There it pops. Right? And some people think you have to really, really, you know, prayer is about, you know, sometimes the vending machine don't want to work and you have to kick it. You have to shake God a little bit. And you're, come on, God, come on. No, no, it's not. Prayer's not like that. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is primarily, first and foremost, about us acknowledging the presence of God, not just us getting what we want. Prayer is for us to recognize that God is there. Prayer is meant to be like this. God, I know you're here. God, I know you're present. God, I know you are ever present everywhere, every moment, even in this moment. So God, I need you to help me see that you are with me now. Help me know that you're with me now. And God, it'd be great if I could feel that you are with me now. That's what prayer is about. It's not about accessing God. He's accessible. It's about us becoming more aware. And the writer of Hebrews says we should come boldly to God. And it's not with an attitude and it's not like you own the place kind of thing. No, 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 no. It, it's, it's confidence. We should come with confidence to God, to the throne of his grace, to find help and encouragement as we go through life. And that's about acknowledging God. I know you are present. We declare it. God, you are with us. God, you are here. It's beautiful. Sometimes we do it together. You know, that's what we're doing when we pray together, when we pray for each other and pray with each other and we pray together. That's what we're really doing. That's what we ought to be doing, right? Is to remind each other, hey, hey, we're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. God is here. God is at work. God is present 
And we need to remind each other because everybody needs reminding because we forget in the moments when we're all alone and we're overwhelmed, we forget. So God brings people into our lives sometimes. And some of you have had that experience to kind of put their arm around you and say, hey, can I pray with you? Can I pray for you? Hey, let's pray together. I've been doing this pastor thing a long time and I have so many moments that I can think back through the years standing in the hallway of an ICU unit watching a family agonize in pain and grief, getting ready to say goodbye to their loved one. And we pray together. Do you know what we're doing? We're saying, God, we know you're here. We don't want to be here. We wish we weren't here, but God, we know you're here. And this is not what any of us would want. God, we don't understand this. And God, we have so many questions, but we know you're here. So God, we need to see it. We need to experience your presence right now because we're scared and we're alone and we're hurting and we're angry. We're confused. God, we need to be aware that you're with us and we want to see it. We want to know it. God, if, and if you could help us feel, if you could even help us feel the reality of your presence right now. See, that's what it is. That's why people instinctively, you find people praying together, even people who don't believe in God, right? Even people who are really not church-going kind of people. You know, if you could think back through the history, think back to 9-11. Those of you who, you know, can think back that far, think to 9-11. Think about other national tragedies and stuff. You just see people grouping up all over the place, praying and praying and praying and praying. What's that really about? Whether we realize it or not, what it ought to be about is acknowledging, God, we know you're present. And I know, I know some of you may go, well, if God were present, if God were present, then that wouldn't have happened. If God were present, then it wouldn't feel like this. If God were present, then this would be different. No, 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 no. God's presence doesn't always look a certain way and feel a certain way. That's why prayer helps us remember. And sometimes prayer is just alone and silent by yourself. Did you know a national survey revealed where most people pray? And he may surprise you. It ain't in church. Do you know where most people do their praying? In fact, let's just take a guess. Somebody shout it out. Where do you think most people do their praying? A car. The car. Cool, huh? 61% of people pray in their car. Much higher percentage than at church. Fascinating to me. You really ought to think twice for you know, what kind of car you buy. You're kind of buying a mobile church, right? Is this good? Is that, can I pray in here? Is this feeling good? You know? Yeah, because we're acknowledging, God, I acknowledge you with me today. God, I acknowledge you with me. Um, by the way, just FYI, a little commercial. Um, our, our website, at the, church, at the church here, our website, there's a, a prayer page that you can access to help you, to help give, me, give you a guide. You're praying for each other. You're, you're, you put in your own prayer needs, and we can pray for you, and we can help remind each other that God is with us, that God is there, that we are not alone. There's even prayer groups you can be a part of that most of them are virtual, right? And, and just different times of the week, and you can log on from wherever you are and pray with each other. That's just fascinating. Helps us acknowledge that God is there. Let's talk about the Bible a second. Another tool. The Bible is not just to read information about God. It's not just to say, okay, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, then this happened, and that's so cool to know, right? No, no, the Bible is not just to consume spiritual information. The Bible ultimately is to help us to discover, to help us discover God's presence at work in our midst, to learn about what that looks like, and to read about other people who have experienced the same kind of things that we've experienced, and it's so very important. Because see, when you're reading the Bible, here's what you learn about God's presence. When you're reading the Bible, you learn that God is present. You're reading along, you're reading along, and you discover that God is present even in hard times. 
Because you're reading along and you get to that very familiar Psalm 23. And you read the words, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't have to fear. Why? Because you are with me. Yeah, you know it. It wasn't just meant to memorize. It wasn't just meant to quote. It was meant to teach us something about the presence of God. Some of you have a valley of a shadow of death right now in your own life. And you're in the valley that is a dying, death-filled valley, maybe in your job or in your finances or in your marriage or with your family or in your mental state where you're struggling with depression and anxiety and you're all kinds of darkness. I mean, you, those are the, the valleys of the shadow of death where you're like, I'm not going to make it out of this. I'm not going to make it through this. This is going to be the end of me, the end of us, the end of all good. Even there, God is ever-present everywhere. Every moment. You see, when you're reading the Bible, you come to Psalm 46. You come to Psalm 46 and you learn something else. That sometimes you just need to be still and know that he is God. Hmm. Why? Because sometimes that's all you can do. And maybe some of you are there right now. And that's what the Bible teaches us. It teaches us. Sometimes, sometimes you don't have anything to say. You don't know what to say. Sometimes you have no answers. You wish you did. You can't explain it. You, you got nothing. You open your mouth and nothing. You try to pray and nothing. And sometimes it's just be still and know. God is ever present everywhere, every moment, even this one. And then we read about the stories of other people, so many other people that are just like us who struggle in the same kind of ways that we struggle with. And we learn through reading the Bible that sometimes the presence of God is miraculous and sometimes it's mysterious. And sometimes God's presence comes all at once and you know it and it comes, becomes a reality to you all at once and it's wow. And sometimes it feels like you wait in eternity to sense that God is present. Yeah, you, you identify with all those things and there's so many great resources out there to help you. Some of them are free. The Bible app is free. The point is, read the scriptures. Why? Not to learn cool stuff, not just to learn cool stuff about God and not to check a box and not just so you can get through the Bible in one year and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But that's not the point. The Bible is not given enough for us to consume it. The Bible was given to us so that we could be consumed by its truth to discover that God is there. Let's finish up with one more. Worship. Beautiful, powerful tool. Do you know what worship is? Worship is about us proclaiming God's presence. Proclaiming God's presence. That God is ever present everywhere, every moment. Worship is not just or primarily about going to church. Even though that's a part of it. It's not just about you being here. We're so glad you're here. So glad you've joined us. And it's not just or primarily about singing songs and, and, and music. Even though that's a powerful part of it. And we love that part. And it's just great. But Worship really is how we live our lives. If you want to be technically correct, worship is really what's going to happen when you leave here until when you show back up. That, that what happens there, that's what worship. Worship is how we live our lives. Worship. But the gathering together like we're doing right now is so vitally important because when we come together, it helps remind each other, hey, I'm not in this alone. Hey, I'm not the only one with these questions. Hey, I'm not the only one with these desires. Hey, I'm not the only one with these problems. And we sing together and we pray together and we, we learn together and we encourage one another. And sometimes we just see each other. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one. Hey, it's them, them too, them too, the 
us too. Look at all of us together. Proclaiming the reality of God's presence. But remember, worship's not about you. It's not about me. It's about the one we're here to worship. So that we can remind ourselves and remind each other that God is here. We're so consumer minded, especially first century, I mean, first century, no, first world, we're first world Christians, first world Christians, and um, as Americans, too, we're so consumeristic. We are. And by we, I, I mean me, too. Yeah, I, I fall right into that. And we, and we did the whole thing, we bring that stuff to church, you know. I, I like this, and I don't like that. I enjoy this, and I don't enjoy that. Well, I don't go to that church anymore because I don't like the way they did it, and I don't do that, and I don't like, and, and I, don't, I don't like the music, and I don't, I, don't, I don't like the way the light's shining in my face, and I don't, it's just way too long, or it's just not long enough, and I didn't feel anything, or I felt too much, and it was just, ah, he's too funny, or he's not funny enough, and he, it was too much Bible, it's not enough Bible, and I just didn't enjoy, and I just don't. You ever had those moments where you wanted to say something, but you know you probably shouldn't say it? Because you're pretty sure if you say it, it may not go well, but you really want to say it. And, and you say it to yourself all the time. I have those moments. So I want to say to you what I wish I could say to people like that. Right? Is it okay if I just say it to you? Try and get it up. Since nobody said that to me today, I just want to say, I'm going to tell you what I wish I could tell people when they're like, ah, I didn't really enjoy the worship and I didn't really enjoy that. You know, everything inside of me just wants to go, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but it's a good thing we weren't here worshiping you. Well, I didn't like that song. Well, it's a good thing we weren't singing it to you then, since you didn't like it. Yeah, but I won't, I won't say that, even though I think I just did. But, yeah, because it's not about me. It's not about you. We make it about us. Worship, it's about proclaiming. You're not here to proclaim my presence. It's a good thing, too, because I'm temporary. And we're not here to proclaim your presence. It's a good thing, too, because you're temporary. We're here to proclaim God who is ever-present. The only one who is ever-present everywhere, every moment. Now, I, I, I get it. I get it. Let me just put this on the screen because I know it. I know that we want to feel God's presence. Me, too. I want to feel, I just don't want to know it. I just don't want to talk about it. I don't just want to sing about it. I just don't want to hear other people talk about it and sing about it. No, I want to feel. I want to know that God is with me so much that I can feel it in my fiber, in my bones. And I want that for you too. And there are moments. And, and it may be moments when we're gathered together and we're singing together, we're praying together. And it may be moments when you're driving down the car driving down the road in your car. And maybe moments when you're all alone or maybe moments when you're surrounded with others. There are moments when the awe and the comfort and the peace and the power and the excitement of God's presence becomes so real we can feel it. Nothing wrong with that at all. But no, that's not the basis of it because the day's coming when it's ain't going to feel that way. You ain't going to see what you would think you would see and feel what you think you would feel. But let me just let you know, when you do feel it, when you do feel a sense, an overwhelming sense that I am here from God, let me define for you what's happening. You're not getting more of God. You're not somehow getting closer to God. God's gone nowhere. God's ever present everywhere in every moment. What's happening in those moments is that you're not getting more of God. Somehow God's getting more of you and you're becoming more aware and you're becoming more, you're recognizing more. And you're like, you are with me. 
You are here. And when we become more aware, we begin to even feel more of the reality of the ever-present God who everywhere, every moment. And when we pray, it helps us acknowledge it. And when we interact with the Bible and we read and we listen and we learn, it helps us discover how God works in his presence. And, and when we worship, not just on Sundays, but how we live our lives, we proclaim, we proclaim the reality of the presence of God. All of these things are here to help us become aware and for you to know that God says to you, I am here. And that never changes. Not for you, not for me, not ever. And you need reminding. Remind yourself, remind each other, and let's allow God's spirit to do the very thing that he sent us his spirit to do, and that's lead us and guide us in that reminding. Let's pray. Dear Father, we acknowledge your presence. We acknowledge that you are here. And you are here not because of me, not because of us, not because of this place, not because of this space. You are here because just you are here. Every place, everywhere, every moment. We will never go somewhere today, tomorrow, this week, where you are not every present, everywhere, every moment. That's a life-changing truth. We declare it, we acknowledge it, we recognize it, and we just ask that you would help us see and know, even feel that that's true. Because we need reminding. And sometimes we forget. And sometimes we get distracted. And sometimes life just chokes it out of us. Sometimes our circumstances mock our feeble faith. And we need reminding. Thank you for welcoming us to come to you. Lord, help us to interact more with the scriptures that point us to Jesus and his ever presence in our lives. And help us to use the scriptures to learn more about how you are at work in our midst. And then we worship to proclaim, God, forgive me, forgive us when we make it about ourselves and our consumer likes and dislikes. Father, thank you for being here. In Jesus' name, amen.